Well, very cool to see 80 people, many of you, uh, take that step of baptism last weekend. And let's thank God for that. Um, that's actually a, a record for us in a normal baptism week uh, in our the whole history of our church. So uh, really, really cool to see a tremendous amount of life change as people uh, are saying yes to Jesus and yes to following Jesus. And for those of you who have yet to take that step, when you begin to, when you say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, I'm in. The first thing he asks us to do is baptism. And and that's why it's to go public with that very private uh choice uh, to, to be a follower of Jesus. And if you, are, you say, well, I am, I've already done that. I just haven't gotten baptized. Let me encourage you to get baptized because, again, it's the first thing that he asks us to do. And, uh, and there will be one coming up in a while. So uh, the next one is not a normal one. Sometimes we just blow it out. And we give the whole service to that. And there will be uh, two or three times that number baptized. And that will be in August. Uh, the first weekend of August. Just go ahead and circle it on your calendar. And uh, if you have yet to be baptized, that gives you time to invite friends, invite family to it. If you're watching online, uh, you can even fly in wherever you're coming from. If you're uh, somewhere out there to get baptized or uh, reach out to somebody here uh, and we can let you know. Um, we can arrange you, know, you being baptized right where you are also. So huge step. Lots to celebrate. And, um, and today, our plan has changed. So uh, we're in this series, No Offense, None Taken. And on Friday night, we did that. And so I encourage you to watch that service if you want to watch the last of, of that series. Because we talked about our reactions and how powerful our reactions are. And a whole different kind of choice we can make that changes us and changes our world. So that's, that's online. I encourage you to watch it. But we're not doing it. And the reason we're not doing it is because it's kind of a different community today than it was Friday night. Because of what happened just a few miles away uh, yesterday. And for those of you who are watching online, especially if you're in another country, uh, you may not really know what's going on. But uh, you know, there was a mass shooting in Allen, just about three miles north of where I am right now. And where eight innocent people lost their lives, nine people lost their lives, and some others fighting for their life as we speak. And, and it reminds us how messed up and broken our world is. And it's disconcerting. It causes us to ask a lot of questions. Because we're not really used to that kind of thing happening here. Right? I mean... you. Individual tragedy happens and individual suffering happens. We live in a broken world. We know that. But but like mass things, you know, mass tragedies is just we we kind of in North Dallas, I think, have kind of lived in a bubble where we feel like, yeah, that that doesn't happen here. That happens over there and we need to pray, but not so much over here. Uh, like uh, what's happening in our world right now. You know, we. We have we do ministry in the Ukraine. Part of our global outreach effort is we help support and do some other things. I'm on the board of a seminary in the Ukraine. And we know what's happening in Ukraine and and how a war has turned life upside down. And there are tragedies happening every day, every day, every day, every day, every day for a long time there. And we care about that and we pray about that. But it's over there. We also work in Ethiopia. And in Ethiopia, it just seems like there's waves of 
tragedies, famines, and civil wars, and all that. One uh, is just over these last months. I mean, now it's a little bit, now it's better. But over these last months, it's been this horrible civil war right where our project is. And thousands of people have lost their lives. And not just soldiers, just innocent people. And we pray and we care, but it's, it's over there. A neighboring to Ethiopia, Sudan, and what's happening right now there. And we care because we're global citizens and we love God and, and we have a global perspective and we pray. But it's over there. And even all these mass shootings, you know, yesterday's from what I can find is yesterday was number 132 mass shootings in America this year so far. 17 weeks of the year, 132 mass shootings. And we've been hearing about those and, and, you know, whether it's in Nashville where I have some family and. Uh, just right, re- really close to right where that, that happened, the school shooting. And, and we pray about those and because we care and we're compassionate. But it's over there until yesterday. It wasn't over there. It was here. It was in our backyard. And some of you have been directly affected. Um, some of you know people who've been directly affected. Jack Warren, one of our pastors, last night at 11 o'clock went just to see how he could be helpful. And, and there are all these people just waiting to hear about their family members and what's going on. And just a few miles up the road last night, our kids are going to be asking us questions about what's going on. And is it safe? And we're going to have to walk them through that. And, and as adults, we're left trying to make sense of it ourselves. What's going on in our world? And why does this kind of stuff happen? And where is God? And, and, and where is this all going to end up? And those are great questions to ask. And, and we're going to talk about that today. And you, and you don't have to actually wait for a mass shooting or a mass tragedy or a natural disaster or something to ask those questions because in our individual lives, we've all, if you've lived long enough, can look back and have times of tragedy where you ask, you just have to ask the question, God, why? I mean, many of you know, if you've been here over the years, you know, when my wife was 14, her mom died it, as complications of childbirth, and it medically shouldn't have happened. It was a mistake. But it happened. Leaving a 14-year-old to say, God, why? Uh, many of you know that my brother, two years ago, uh, he had a, a form of cancer that is r- extremely rare and that never goes to the brain. Like it, so it's such a small chance I didn't even talk about it. And it went straight to his brain. And he went into a coma and never came out. And he was gone. And why? I miss my brother every day. Uh, like we all have those, right? Many of you have been praying because it went out on the prayer chain for my um, and, and this one is ended up good, so I don't want to scare anybody here. But my, uh, my our, we have a four-month-old granddaughter named Mabel who had heart surgery uh, about ten days ago, two weeks, yeah, about ten days ago. And you prayed for her, and it's so scary, a four-month-old, and we're rejoicing because she's doing really well. And thank you for praying for her. But what if it went the other way? Because sometimes it does go the other way. 
and, and where is God in all that? And, and how do we make sense of it? And, and that's why we're making the change today. Again, watch online to learn how to respond better to offenses. And it's really powerful and really important to do. But today, I just feel like we need to have another conversation. And I'm not going to, one thing I can't do is share the answer to why everything happens that happens and why yesterday happened because I, I don't know that. But what I do have is perspective in God's word that he's shared with us. We know a lot. We may not know specifics of all the little things that happen, but we know a lot to give us perspective to help us navigate times like now. And to help us help others navigate times like now too. And so that's what I want to do today is just give biblical perspective. And, and essentially biblical perspective on this one, why these kind of things happen in our world and what, where is God in it and where does this all end up is really the story of the Bible. It is the big story that we're right in the middle of. And, and the story begins at the very beginning when God created the world and he created the world perfect. Where there was no pain, no violence, no tragedy, no death, no destruction, no disease, no anything. And that's what we're created for. We're created for that. Like, we're made for that. But we don't live in a world like that. And the reason we don't, all the way back in Genesis, is when mankind chose sin, then all of a sudden our world went from perfect to very imperfect and very broken. We live in a broken world that we broke. You know, we get mad at God. God, why are you doing this and all that? But human beings, as Adam and Eve chose sin, and you and I second that choice all the time. When along with sin came death and disease and destruction and violence and all the stuff that happened. We live in a broken world that we as humans broke. Paul talks about that in Romans 8. He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And he's pointing us to hope that this is not the end of the story. One day this stuff won't happen. But for now it does. He says, for the creation, all creation, awaits awaits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. He's talking about when Jesus returns. And when he returns, he will fix our broken world. But now it's not. For the creation was subjected to frustration. And the frustration we feel right now, right, and under in a broken world, like, why? How does this happen? Where is God? I don't understand. That's the frustration we're in. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. He's talking about humanity there. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pain of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only selves, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We're waiting for what will come next. But for now, we live in a broken world where senseless, horrible, terrible, doesn't make sense kind of things happen. And we don't know what to do with it because we weren't made for a world like this. But we live in it. And the truth is, God could have ended the story right there and been completely just. I mean, we chose sin. We chose to rebel against him. He told us that what would happen. That's what would happen. And he could have told mankind, well, good luck with that. But he didn't. 
He's too good for that. And in his grace, he chose to intervene. And that's the next part of the story that God chose in love to intervene with his plan of restoration, which meant sending Jesus, the son of God, to become human and to live among us and to suffer with us and eventually to give his life on the cross to pay the penalty for sin so that you and I, the guilt of our sin could be removed and we could be reconciled to God. But when he came, he also began to restore and redeem this broken world. And he's doing that right now through us, his church. And one day that plan will be complete and the world won't be broken anymore. Revelation 21 looks forward to that day. He says, no longer will there be any curse. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away because it's a new heaven and a new earth, not able to be broken again. And a great question to ask is, well, then why don't you do it? What are you waiting for? How many of these do we have to go through? Like, just can you just do it? And God talks about that in first Peter. He says, the Lord isn't being slow about his promise. No, he's being patient. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Meaning when Jesus does return, he will return in judgment. And those who don't know Jesus will go into judgment, holding on to the guilt of their sin. He doesn't want that. And so he's waiting for people to come to know him. Could be waiting for you. And that's a choice that you have. But he won't wait forever. And at some point he will come. And when he comes, he will not only bring judgment, but he'll bring restoration. But in the meantime, here's what we know. We're not on our own in a world like this. And again, some of you are going through things. This is not, I mean, all of us as a community are going through something right now. But some of you are going through something right now that is just paralyzing. And I admire you so much for being here. And when we're in times like that, here's what we need to know, even in the middle of it, in the in-between, between now and when Jesus returns. One of those things is that he suffers with us and brings strength and comfort to get through what we're going through. That we are not on our own. Psalm 34:18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That the Lord chooses to move close to the brokenhearted. Um, you know, sometimes as human beings, when we see someone suffering, we don't really know what to do. We may kind of back up, but God doesn't do that. He, he's like, hey, he, he, that's when he wants to move into our heart and life because that's his, he's compassionate. And we can shove him away and say, no, I'm good. I don't need that. But he is close to the brokenhearted. And he wants to be close to you if you're in the category of brokenhearted. So much so, we learn in Hebrews, that's one of the reasons Jesus came, not just to die on the cross for sin, but he came and he lived here for a few years, well, for 34 years, and suffered, just like you and I suffer, and here's why. We're told in Hebrews, so then, since we have a high priest, a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, that's where he is now, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings and trials that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Then we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. 
One of the reasons Jesus came here is he suffered the same kind of things you suffer. The same kind of things I suffer. Because as God, I mean, he, I know he knows everything, but he never experienced suffering. He never experienced grief. He never experienced fear. He never experienced the, the same kind of trials and traumas that you and I face. And one of the reasons Jesus came and hung out on this planet was to experience that. So that when we go through those times, we can come and find peace. He knows what it's like to be. Uh, he, he knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to hurt. And therefore, we may not know answers to every little thing, but we have something better. And that is the strengthening presence of God. I'm reminded of there was a time in Jesus's life where uh, two of his really close friends, Mary and Martha, um, he comes come up to them. And it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Some of you have memorized it. Can you say what it is? Jesus wept. Now, you've all memorized the Bible first. You can, you've accomplished something today. And uh, it's the shortest verse in the Bible, but it's a powerful one because it, it lets us know that it, it's not that in the faith, what they said is our, their brother had died and, and Jesus didn't be like, well, you know, praise God. He wept. He grieved. And he invites us to grieve. Even as we have hope and all that, it, it's appropriate to grieve. And God will meet us in our grief. He grieves with those who grieve, the Bible says. He weeps with those who weep. But he doesn't just empathize. He gives us strength and he gives us comfort. He also brings purpose out of pain. Um, he's committed to that. Uh, just a few verses later than the one, the one I just read in Romans, he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's a powerful promise that he will work all things out for good. But it is one that can be so misunderstood and so misused. It's really not a great thing when somebody's going through tragedy to go up to somebody and say, well, you know, God works all things out for good, so rejoice. Like, yeah, I just lost my child. I just lost my spouse. I just, whatever, like, yeah, I'm not quite ready to hear that yet. Even though it's true. Just have to be careful with this one. Also, have to be careful with it, this one because it's there's a difference between why something happened, reason, and outcome. Because it's not that God makes us go through things or that causes all the bad things that happen. We live in a fallen world, and God doesn't shield us from the fallenness just because we're His. We're told that Jesus said, "In this world, you will have troubles." The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. It's sometimes we, we have this expectation that even though we live in a broken world, God's not going to let anything bad happen to me. But he does. Because we live in a broken, fallen world and things happen to all of us. And it's part of a broken world. It's not that he's causing everything to happen. So that sometimes, you know, you might think when, let's say my brother dies or whatever happens to you. You think, well, what did I do to deserve this, God? God, why are you singling me out? What are you doing? He's not singling you out. You and I live in a broken, fallen world, and he doesn't shelter us from the brokenness and fallenness of our world. Um, and therefore, we, it's, it's not necessarily a, a reason. The, he, he, will, he does promise his purpose as a redemptive outcome, though, to move into that and only strengthen us, but use it for our good to grow us. We all know we grow most through suffering and finding God in suffering and to, to impact others. 
But there's a difference between reason and outcome. I remember um, hearing from a guy who was uh, up in Oklahoma, a, a campus pastor, like for a campus ministry. And he worked for that campus ministry. And he had a college-age son that went to the same university who died in a car accident his freshman year. So there was this big funeral. And because of all the relationships this guy had and the son had, there's thousands of college students at this funeral. And at that, and so as this dad is grieving the loss of his son, he had not one, but 10 people maybe through the course of that time just say, wow, look at all these college students hearing about Jesus. It's amazing. No wonder God took your son away. That's not helpful. And it's not the way God works. Yeah, God used that to bring a whole lot of people to know Jesus. And it's wonderful because God is purposeful and he will bring purpose out of our pain. But that's different, right, than God causing our pain for something like that. He brings purpose out of pain. It is a wonderful reality. And and eventually, a lot of times, it's just looking back, like Christy and her mom, looking back, you can see, I I can see the person she is in large part because of what she went through and and how God redeemed that and restored that. And that does bring hope. But I'm not going to say that to her three days after her mom dies. He also invites us to pray in a way that changes things. A lot of times, right, in, a, in a time like right now, right, when we're going through something like it with what just happened in Allen and think, man, what can we do? And, and we're asking that. And, and there are practical things that we will be involved in as a church and that we'll do for our community and family and teenagers and kids and all that. And, and so that's a good question to ask. But a lot of times people say, well, you can pray. And people kind of roll their eyes. You're like, OK, I'll pray. But I mean, but let me know what I can really do. It's, it's a lot of times in our culture, we see prayers kind of good luck. It's like, well, good luck. Or, man, I, you know, I'll, I'll pray. I'm not going to do anything, but I'll pray. You know, I can do that. But that's not reality. Reality is prayer is the most powerful thing we can do. Prayer moves the act, action and compassion of God in a powerful way. And, and if you want to do something powerful to bring change in our culture... Yeah, there's all kinds of actions we can take, but the most important thing is that God acts. The most important thing is to pray. And so therefore, you know, if you ever find yourself saying, well, at least I can pray or, well, maybe I can just pray. Think about it differently. I mean, we need to pray. Because it's the most important thing we can do. And we're going to do that. And we're going to do that right now. And I believe prayer changes the world. Prayer changes lives. This is not like after these prayers, our world and our community will be different. And so I'm going to ask um, one of the things the Bible talks about in James is that when there's tragedy and when there's difficulty and when healing is needed, James in the Bible says, hey, when that happens, call on the elders of the church to pray. And he talks about how God just, I mean, God listens to all of our prayers, but there's something about elders of the church praying that activates his healing in a unique way. And I just take that for what it is out of James 5. And as a church, um, we have a group of people. It's like a board of directors with spiritual responsibilities to our board of elders. And I'm going to have some of them come up 
and, and ask two of them to, to pray for you and me, pray for our church and pray for our community right now. So if y'all would um, come on up and, um, and if you wonder, some of you are new to our church, a lot of you are new to our church and you wonder how we're structured. Um, it's, we have a board of directors that ultimately oversees our church and I'm just one of those. And, uh, and so thank you guys so much. Um, John, do you mind grabbing that mic right there by the piano? And I'm going to invite all of us to not just listen to the prayers, but pray along with us uh, as we do. And um, Debbie, if you could start us out and then Andy. Yeah, thank you. Oh, Lord God, we just come to you right now. Father, you know that our hearts are heavy. Our hearts are broken over this horrific tragedy. But, Lord, we are grateful that we can come to you and you tell us that we can boldly approach your throne of grace to receive mercy and help in our time of need. And, Father, we come before you now asking for your amazing help in this need. We're so grateful, Father, that you love us and that you care for us. And, Lord, we know, too, that your heart is also broken because your word tells us that you so loved the world that you sent your only son. And, Father, we just lift up now those that are hurting, those that have lost their spouses, their children, their sons or daughters. And, Father, we pray that you would comfort them with only comfort that you can bring. And, Father, I pray that as your children we may reach out and show your love and compassion to those that are hurting and are struggling through this loss. Father, we thank you so much that you are our ever-present help in trouble. And, Father, we reach out to you knowing that you will answer and that you hear us. We thank you that prayer is powerful because of you, God, the awesome God that you are. I lift all this up in the wonderful, the powerful, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Father, we come to you. We are, we are broken. We, we have no words. We, we may feel sad, angry, and frustrated, and anxious. We may not even know what to feel, what to think. We just tough it up and go through this. But Father, you know it all. You know it all. We long for that you will come and fix this world, and you will fix this country, you will fix our communities, and you will fix our home. So Father, we pray that you will start in each one of us. We pray for faith, hope, and love. The faith that to believe you are the almighty God, the loving Father. The mighty God that can overcome everything, every situation. The loving Father will never, never let us go. And we pray for the hope. Hope that one day you will wipe up all our tears. There's no more tears, no more fears, and no more hurt, and no more aching. And we pray for love. The everlasting love to love you and to love one another. The love that don't keep the counts of wrongdoings. So Father, let us taste this grace and taste this mercy of you. So that we can overflow to all those who rang us. To tell the world how great of a God you are. So Father, help us. By the power of Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
So we're going to continue in prayer and in worship. And one of the things God does um, is help us help each other. And in 2 Corinthians 1, um, God talks about that. And he says, praise be, or Paul talks about that. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. That as God is ministering to us, let's be ready this week to minister to others, let's, to each other, to comfort each other, to pray. Sometimes people will be strong, sometimes we'll be weak. And, uh, and let's, when one's strong, let's be, you know, strong for somebody else. You know, and, and in our culture, imagine living in this world without God and without a hope bigger than just all the stuff that happens. And God's placed you where we are wherever he's placed you at work and school and neighborhood and family among people who don't have the hope of Jesus, who don't know that this is not the end of the story, that there is an end to the story and that we're not on our own, even in the middle of it, of all the craziness that happens and, and just pray, be intentional this week. Just mean, how can I encourage people? How can I pray for people? How can I be hope to people? So we're going to uh, continue and, and just kind of a prayerful moment for all of us because a, a message like this brings up not only what we're feeling from yesterday, but also whatever we've gone through in our life that we still have a lot of questions and a lot of hurt. And, and I want us to be able to bring that right to God ourselves. And so our worship team is going to lead us in a song um, it as well. It is a great reminder that no matter what we're going through, God really is in control and he, and he really is good. And we really can trust him even as we struggle to catch up to what we know. And so um, in a little bit, we're going to stand and we're going to sing together. But also, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, there's a prayer team and some of our elders and pastors and so on will be right over here in this corner. And they would love to pray with you uh, during these songs and uh, whatever you're going through. And uh, we want to be here for each other. So let's stand together um, as we continue.